Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Hi, this is Jackie Cation, and you are about to listen to The Dork Forest since 2006. And it is on iTunes, of course, where you may have received it. You may have gotten it at dorkforest.com. Feel free to review it on iTunes. It, we are part of the All Things Comedy Network, allthingscomedy.com, where my new hour special, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, is available for $5 download. Knock yourselves out. My website, JackieCation.com, has a player if you want to just listen to it uh, and you don't want to do iTunes. And JackieCation.com has everything. It has my stand-up schedule. It has a merch page where you can get Dork Forest t-shirts and even order a Dork Forest hoodie if you like. All of the shirts are made in America because while I'm willing to wear clothing that are made by toddlers, I'm unwilling to sell clothing made by toddlers. The hoodie, special ordered for some reason, still made in the Philippines. I don't know why. Possibly because they're super cozy, and I don't sell that many of them, but I should work on that. Anyway, there's a chance to donate to the Dork Forest. If you enjoy the Dork Forest, feel free to donate. A hundred bucks a year makes you a super fan, and you could do that in one chunk of a hundred bucks, or you could break it up however you want, because I have not made that easy for you. It would be $8.33 a month if you want to do it. You could also just order stuff if you want Dork Forest t-shirts or CDs or DVDs. I have three CDs out and one DVD, and you can order all of them. Uh, you could order a T-shirt, you could order a hoodie, and that will also support the show, and I totally appreciate that. Yeah, just so you know, the DVD of The Horcrux is Friday Second Show. That is the video. And the CD is Saturday Second Show. I don't know. I didn't videotape that one, but I like that set better, so that is the CD. The DVD is approximately uh, 56 minutes long, and the CD... About 40, 48. So they're different sets, but they're the same material. And it's uh, it's weird, but I like it. The credits. Let's credit the people that make this show possible, quite honestly. We have Mike Rickberg, who sang the intro song and composed the intro song and sings it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. And he will sing Mexican Hat Dance at the end of this. The audio. The audio is fixed every week, and the teasers are created by... Mr. Patrick Brady, Mr. Patrick Brady, friend of the show. Vilmos does my website, JackieCation.com. So if you're looking for someone to do your website, go to JackieCation.com, scroll down, and click on that link. All right, let's do this. Enjoy. At RBC Wealth Management, social responsibility starts at the top. As a part of the Royal Bank of Canada, RBC has been recognized among the world's financial, social, and environmental corporate leaders. Our sense of responsibility extends to our reputation for putting clients' interests first. My personal commitment is to help you achieve your financial goals by also considering sustainable and responsible investing strategies. To learn more, visit www.darlacashian.com. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE FINRA SIPC. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I am in my living room with Aaron, Eric Hollerbach. Wow. Bach. There we go. There Get we it go. right. Eric Hollerbach. You put an umlaut over the A in my I know, and I just, I wanted to make sure I got it right. 
<laughs> You're just putting all kinds of symbols that you don't quite understand. Just <laughs> mental vodka. Put a symbol in, on top of something to Sounds- remind me that I need to make sure I pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I will. I will follow. That's so erichollerbach.com. H a l l e r b a c h Bach like the musician, mm-hmm. and um, here comes Godot.com. Uh, I read about it. Yes, and uh, so you're on Twitter. It's your name. Just people find it, and there'll be links all over. All the kinds for of us. plugs. I got a podcast called Highway Diary that Jackie Cation is about to be on. Right, we're going to go back to back. We're this is this <laughs> is what's happening recently. I did it with Will Anderson. Did it with Jay Moore, and so Tom now. Rhodes. Uh, oh, and Tom Rhodes. He was on my podcast too. Right. It was a little, and, um, and, and your podway, podcast is called Highway Diary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you're going to have a new DVD, uh, that, that you were in, Theater of the Deranged 2. I host that as Damien Shadows. It's a character <laughs> that I've, uh, I had a pilot at Shriekfest. Uh, okay. Like in 2013. And, um, yeah, so then I use that character to host a series of, Short films. Now, all the f- short films are actually horror films, but I say that they're conjuring spells that put oh. a demon into your living room. <laughs> and then as my ghost hunting psychic character, ghost yes. communicator, Damien Shadows, I tell you what's in your living room and how to get rid of it. Oh, via spells. Via spells, as opposed to via the remote. Yeah. Well played. Well played. So that comes out in September and Troma bought that. So look forward to that. Yeah. So yeah, look forward to that. So check out everything, uh, at erichollerbach.com and then, uh, you will know things. Now let us dork out briefly about oh, some of the things that you enjoy in your life. I'm such a dork. Uh, the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, going that, back. That was your go-to. Clive Anderson days. I remember. Clive Anderson. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so before Drew Carey, it was like, you know, you could tell when the American producers saw Clive Anderson, they're like, this guy's a little too subtle. He's a little too dry. He's okay. a little too stiff. I like that though. You know, I like the British sense yeah, of yeah. humor. Well, whose line is it anyway? Is the improv thing that Proops was on, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all I. That is the and last Ryan of the Styles, information. Colin Mockery, Ryan Styles, Wayne I've, Brady. Okay, I've, I've met Brad these Sherwood, people. Chip Aston. I haven't met any, any of Phil them. Phil Lamar was on it. All the British ones too. Was was Wayne Brady on the British one? I, I think he was like in the last season or something. Ryan like Styles, British Ryan one. Styles, yeah. Okay, so Colin what? Mockery, o, OG. Colin. OJ. <laughs> I'm just saying he's like OG original gangster. Like oh, he's OG. Okay, old school. Who's line? Okay. British version. <laughs> so wait, so when did, when was it on? It was on Comedy Central late night. I think it was like they replaced, they had the kids in the hall for a while. So I sure. grew up on that. And then, and then, yeah, they just started playing this and it, I'm sure it was a BBC show. Right. I got, I got to where I knew, I memorized every episode. How many episodes are there? I don't know. I don't know numbers. I know feeling. I know when, the, <laughs> I know the next joke that Ryan Styles is going to make. You know what I'm saying? Like no, I if don't. I, if I'm, if it was Jeopardy, I'd be shouting at the television. He's gonna do his dragon character. Now. You know what I mean? Like okay. I do every impression. How does it? What What is the thing? Is it just short form uh, yeah. improv where they're like 186? Give me the name of a job, and then we'll make yeah. up a joke joke about it. Exactly. Yeah, they did. All what are the games? What were the games? Film and theater styles, where you would just start a scene, and then someone would yell like. Chinese theater, or then you you know. They did like people in the studio movie. audience yell shit? They did at first. Clive Anderson would collect the group yelling into a very compact 
index card. Okay. Which he would read at uh, the appropriate time. Okay. Because he was sitting at a table. Yes. So he was the Drew Carey person. Exactly. Okay. And which, the I, by the way, I've never exactly seen the same. other show. It's exactly um, the same. Yeah. Only so, grainier footage. And right. With, uh, and British. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and probably uh, less dumb anyway but the so there's 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 a ta- there's a guy at a table mm-hmm. and that person takes all of the all of the shouting like yes. you're not shouting nonsense at at actors while they're trying to act no okay he is the one guy yes. the designated shout he turns around and says oh i'd like <laughs> I can't do, do it, it. <laughs> um uh, please, please, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to collect some suggestions. That's the, that's that's, the worst character. That's term. fine. I, I only know how to do one, like, chimney sweep character. Yeah. That's, you know, but the for. chimney sweep is, is a classic <laughs> British trope. That is a, that is a meme that needs to really be embraced more. So, um, so the, how many people are playing the game? It was always like four people would have chairs for that episode. Okay. So it would be like Ryan Siles. A rotating. Yeah. But like Ryan Siles and Kyle and Mockery were in every single episode, every single time. Kyle. Uh, Ryan Kyle. Styles and Colin Mockery. Colin Mockery Colin is the Mockery. guy's name. Okay. I have a weird Jersey accent. I know. So no, no, that's <laughs> fine. I don't, I don't know, but I've never heard of him. So I don't know his name. So that's okay. all. I, that, yeah, we'll he's see a Canadian a guy. He's, okay. he's really, he's just hilarious. He's like really physical and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, so th- and uh, then the other two chairs would be rotating with like Greg Proops and Greg Proops was a staple for a long time also in the. In the okay, person. how many? Uh, and and then always the phone rings while oh. um, while my show goes on. So what I like to do is let you talk. Oh wow! Tell your it's just uh, I would know every single joke. You know, I would know uh just by giving out all the like there was one episode that was like uh, the dating game or whatever and there would be three stools and um they would all look at the index card and be like okay guess that i'm actually an alien sent here to kill you or right and and every single card uh and then i would know like if greg proops like guessed right like clive anderson and greg proops were having a little exchange with it he he kept uh, hitting the buzzer. Yep. And he was like, "Greg Proops, stop!" And he's like, "No, I'm gonna keep. I, I can hold this door as long as you want, Clive Anderson." Because they were about to play party quirks. It was like, "What do you think I'm gonna do? Wear my finger out? I've had a lot of practice with this finger." Yeah. And he was like, "You know, giving, doing a fingering, Joe Clive Anderson. That was very naughty for him." Sure. And so I always remembered. Whoa. All right, that's a fingering joke. Anderson. Right, right. And uh, what's now? What is party? What game is that? What what's party? Trick? That was party quirks. What's party quirks? Everyone what? is given a secret thing, their own character. Like they have to be, um, you know, turning into a frog, or uh, <laughs> they're a spy who's killing the other guests, or what, or they have a, they've recently murdered someone and they're trying to. So then, throughout the party, they can't directly refer to anything that they're doing, but they have the party. Host has to guess what each person's deal is. Okay, okay. So and so that's one of the games that they play. They are yeah, given yeah. quirks by the audience, mm-hmm. and then they act them out. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's another game? Uh, so the hoedown was always fun. Yep. And that was like the singing at the end of the episode. They would give them a suggestion, and they would just. You know. They would have to. Wayne Brady, if I remember correctly, is a class is very good at that. 
Yeah. He but can, it's, you're it's making funny. up songs. Yeah, and it's like Colin Mockery would rarely rhyme correctly or anything, but that was part of his charm, too. Right. He was good at other stuff. So right, right. It's like they all had their different martial art, you know, and you right. can start to see. How it. was Proops at the singing? He was really good. I actually, one of my favorite ones, Hoedowns, was from uh, Greg Proops, and he was like, uh, the, the, it was like cricket, and he didn't know anything about it. And okay. Was, and then you just see like the American struggling with the British sport, you know? Right. And he's like, I'm a cricket player. I, uh, I, after the game, I go for a beer. Man, I'm very fancy and I know what you're thinking, but no, I'm not. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So he just went there. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, uh, so party quirks and hoedown mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, any- I, had, I started having birthdays. I remember my 14th birthday. There we go. All I did was I lined up chairs. I put out tables. I got gl- glasses of water and I got my four funny friends. It was me, my friend, Matt McGrath, Jeff Reeves, and maybe one other person. And, uh, we, uh, my friend who looked like Drew Carey, um, you know, presided over the thing, Brandon Eggert, and he had the, all the cue cards. Right. And he took suggestions, and we did it exactly like the show. And uh, From, uh, like, your parents and stuff? From, no, from no, like, no, other kids? All the kids that I invited to my yeah. birthday. Okay. You know, went yeah. in the basement, and we just started doing improv. You played whose who's line is it anyway, yeah. essentially. Hardcore for hours and hours and hours. And you made up your own games, or the, um... I did. Or you reenact? all the rules to all the games that they played on the right. show, so I just prepared index cards. Right. Okay. Anyway. And then, and then, then you guys would act it out, but mm-hmm. you weren't reenacting the shows. No, no, You were no. doing your own thing. We yeah. were doing improv. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Did you ever take improv classes? Yeah, you know, I, uh, um... The first thing I did when I was 16, I uh, did an open mic at the Comedy Cellar. That was my first thing. In New York? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm from Jersey, and I started commuting in high school and stuff. And then I took a UCB class in between my junior and senior year of high school. Okay. And uh, that was taught by Jackie Clark. And, uh, yeah, it was like the f- I would go down to the Comedy Cellar. My dad would take me a lot. We would see Dave Attell and Jim Norton. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I saw my first UCB show. I saw this place, this group called Respecto Montalban. Okay. With, um. You know, that's the great thing about a, a, a sketch group or an improv group is the names. Respecto Montalban. But like Paul awesome. Shear, Rob Hubel, Jackie Clark. Okay. Chad Carter. Mm-hmm. Were in it and it just blew my mind because it was like, whose line? Like, but long for. Yeah, and I just had goosebumps the whole time. It was like I was having a religious experience. Okay. While I was watching all these people group mind some suggestion, incredible performance into an hour long thing. And I was like, this is uh, my new cult I will worship. At. Okay, so now, <laughs> so people who don't know anything about improv, yeah. there's two basic kinds, right? There's a short, there's what's called short form mm-hmm. and there's long form. Are yeah, those yeah. the two? So tell, what are the, what's the difference? So like short form is like, you know, you see on whose line, like little party quirks, games that last like five minutes. Okay. Is, would be you the get longest. to the joke essentially. Yeah, and it's a group of people that all are playing a game. Okay. But long form is more like you get a suggestion and then you do something called a herald, which takes like 30 minutes to do. And, uh, you just from one word, but you have this form. It's like plot A, plot B, plot C. Okay. Group so B, you, so you, you know? have to do, um, sort of storytelling arc. Yeah. To a herald? Yeah. Okay. So like if you're given, 
I don't know, uh, tropical fish raising as mm-hmm. your topic. And then you have to come up with you and three other people. Is it usually a team of four? I would say probably like eight for a herald. Okay. Or six. And they can tag in and out? Yeah. Okay. But and- like usually you want to do like two people, two people, two people. Okay. So that you've established like the first scene could be, Oh, we're just getting nets and we're, we're like in a, in a secluded part of the tropical ocean and, and we're like catching the fish for the shop. Okay. Okay. And later on. You're at the shop. Yeah. (laughs) You're at the shop and you're starting to flip those fish into some cash. Right. Then you start getting into cocaine or some, or smuggling other things. You already got the boats. Right. You got the boats. So then, and that would come from another two people scene from the B plot. And then like at the end, there's a drug bust or whatever. And like all these converging stories come together. Okay. Oh, so they all come together at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do, at the end of a Herald, is everyone on stage or do they just, does, can it be two people putting a button on it? Um, it's so funny. I had a, uh, Chris Gethard was my teacher, um, when I was, uh, you know, all through college, I, uh, took UCB classes and he's told me that you don't want the ending to be everyone's in the same grocery store, pull, pull your shopping cart. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, you're here too. Oh, <laughs> what are you getting? Grand muffins. Like that's not a good scene because it's not like using all the natural organic plot material to actually intersect in a weird, okay. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So it's usually two people at the end of it, just ending it or? Well, I would say, yeah, it could be, it could be the A plot and the C plot meeting. And then someone from the B plot walks in, then the lights go out. Okay. Yeah. So there might be three or four people at the end. Yeah. And just, but it's a sign that it's the C plot and that, that they're, they're nailing it. And so what you, when you saw it, you were given sort of a revelation that you were seeing people that were really, really good at this. Yeah. No, and to, so good that, um, it was like, I, I gotta say, it was a really like a religious yeah. experience. <laughs> like I was think, I was thinking about it. It was like, never before have I seen all these adults study so much to play and right. just to know, you know, and so it really did like, I had like goosebumps. The yeah. whole time and I was like, oh my God, look at it, what's happening. Right. How crazy is this? So it's just, I mean, cause you had yeah. just seen it on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had never seen it live before? You know, or I you... think I did see it live. But not at that level? I saw or... Who's Line live before. But it was in a big auditorium. Right. And I knew from the comedy cellar that like a hundred person room or a hundred fifty person room, the jokes come way faster. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, I think, don't they, didn't they tape Who's Line for hours? Yeah, yeah. What's, I, I, that's, I, I only heard a rumor about that. Tell that, well, what I, you know about that. Well, what do you I know? heard from a secret spy agency. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm in over my head saying this, but, uh, no, they would probably tape like three hours and then make it into a 22 minute show. So they would, you know, just pick the best bits. Okay. So was it, was, whose line was a half hour show? Yeah. Okay. So, and they would, they would play for, they would play for three hours, two or three hours or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but maybe they would have a lot of great stuff and then use a bunch of those segments in different episodes. Oh, in different episodes. And then okay. there was also an episode where Clive Anderson hosted bits that they couldn't quite throw away. Okay. But he wasn't normally sitting in the chair with a proper opening. He was sitting alone at a desk saying, listen, this is a special episode. Okay. 
<laughs> and no, no, what, but what was the episode? The episode it was, was just a clip like outtakes or things that they that you know that weren't did. big enough, that weren't exactly. strong enough to run on their own. But they're like something was really, really funny yeah. in this. See this yeah, yeah. kind of blooper, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but they, those were great episodes too. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure. If you're a fan, <laughs> you're in. You're like, yes, let's see the weird outtakes. Yeah. So how long was the live one that you saw? Uh, probably like ninety minutes. I saw okay. it at college. And did you see it at a college auditorium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came to my college and uh, where'd you go to school? I went to a new school, University of New York. Okay, and um, and so how many people was was it like twelve hundred people or? Yeah, and I thought I was such a comedy nerd that I was like, oh, there's a lot of people in here. It's going to slow down the pace of the show. They're really <laughs> going to milk every laugh instead of like come out with the yuck yucks, you know? Right. But because it was weird, it was like this old like legendary thing I had from like when I was fifteen, right? To this new. Thing I was practicing every day. Okay. And then, you know, you can kind of see the moves coming. Sure. You know? Sure. Right. Cause now, now, now you're more on the inside of it. Yeah. And you can, you can see where the jokes could have been better or if they're using some little crutch or some darn thing. Like, hasn't stand up been ruined for you by doing stand up? Like, can you still watch <laughs> it the same way? Uh, well, I don't know. I've been doing stand up since I was 19. Yeah. And I am a million years old. So <laughs> I can't tell you how. Like when I watch stand up now, I I genuinely try to turn off that critic. Yeah. Just so that I can appreciate you know, especially if I'm watching someone who's been doing stand up for like it used to be under four years, now it is currently under seven years. Because uh, I it used to be I used to think that if you've been doing stand up for four years, uh you should really have your shit together. And now I'm like, huh, seven. Seven's fine. That last three years, you're really just sort of getting it together. I don't know. And it's but it, I try to just sort of suspend my disbelief, you know, like someone will do a joke that I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but that has been covered. And if you're going to do a joke that has been covered, you really have to either make it super personal or you have to, I don't know, do it while hanging upside down and farting the Star Spangled Banner. You really have to really make it a unique perspective. Closer. Exactly. See, but like I saw, um, I have seen since the 80s. 107,000 people do a joke regarding how the best marriages would be between two bros, man. It would be two guys, two straight guys, because they would get each other, man. Right. And then that goes on to do the same beats that everyone has covered. And those beats are um, they would watch sports. They would uh, drink beer. They would let each other go out and get laid. And, uh, and if they had kids, they would understand it, man. I'm going out tonight. It's my turn. And you're like, all right, man. And then they'd high five each other when it was over. What's so weird about jokes like that is it's like, so you're just tell, you're telling everybody that you're gay, but you don't know yourself. It's like, right. Well, there, I saying. mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's two problems there. Either you're gay and you don't know, or yeah. you hate your wife. Right. Cause your wife is not your friend. Right. So there's two, there's two sort of troubles there. So, but the thing is, is <laughs> I'm not saying that that premise isn't funny, right? right Someone right, can right. take that premise. The, my best friend is my husband would be the greatest in marriage in the world because then we could just be guys together and then we could go off and get laid with women because we like women. And, but, but if you imagine 
someone relatively new at stand-up comedy doing that joke. They don't know that it has been covered. So I try to suspend my disbelief and watch that person do that joke, hoping and praying that they have some sort of personal angle to it. Yeah. Many times they do not. But, but if you, but if you do think about it, think about like Mark Marin or Mm -hmm. Louis C.K. doing that bit. Mm -hmm. That would come, they've heard that, that premise a gajillion times as well as myself. And they would have some, no doubt in Louis C. Cases, I mean, I don't know, but it would probably be hilariously, disgustingly graphic, and it would be awesome, and it would be very unique. And with Marin, it would come from such a place of self-loathing and such a place of self-revelation right. that you'd be like, oh, my God. And so every premise is available. And so when I – now, see, you put a nickel in me about stand-up because when I watch stand-up, it is that. You know, it's – I try to – Turn that off. Yeah. Because nobody needs the criticism of 30 years of stand-up comedy when they're trying to get a joke out. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs that asshat sitting there? Well, you know, actually, Kira Sultanovich gave me a really good piece of advice one time. Yeah. She's great. She, she's a Korean spa dork. I know. She all told right. me all that. She's been on my podcast before. Okay. But she told me that um, – like I, and I cut this out of my podcast because I realized what it was, was I bombed a joke in front of her and then she told me what could do better about it. And it was so humiliating, I took it out. <laughs> you were like, I can't face, I can't face this right now. <laughs> right. I can't deal with it. What that. I will do is I will save that and I will I will, I will know that. You will know that. It's no, hard. she was like, um, I like that joke. I don't know what that joke tells me about you. Oh, right. And so that's really interesting. And since I've been writing now uh, more new material, I'm always thinking, why is this important for the audience to know about me? And you kind of shine different lights onto your own brain, let let the people know how crazy you are, and then it kind of you builds a trust. You cannot hide the kind of person you are when you yeah. do stand-up comedy. I, You can tell me until you are blue in the face that someone is doing a character and they are wearing a hat. And, uh, and that is why they are doing a character. I mean, you could, like Dice Clay. Mm-hmm. Dice Clay's, um, the stuff that he wrote that I saw wasn't for me. It was, it didn't, it didn't make me want to hang out with him and it didn't make me want to laugh. So that doesn't mean that he's a bad person and that he shouldn't fill stadiums full of 14 year olds who want to laugh at that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, it's, there's always a revelation. You know, I got yelled at for 45 minutes by Jim Norton. When I said I didn't, that I didn't think Dice Clay was for me. He, Jim Norton told me for 45 minutes that I didn't know what stand-up comedy was. And that, uh, if I didn't appreciate Dice Clay and that, that Dice had filled Madison Square Garden. Right. And that, uh, Dice was a genius and that Dice had done all these things and that if I didn't get what Dice was doing, I didn't get stand-up comedy. Right. And I was like, no, I don't think you get that I don't have to like everything, right? And so, yeah. and on the other hand, Jim Norton, when you watch Jim Norton's, he, that man is broken. That man is hilariously broken. Yeah, he's one of the, one of my favorite. It's a gift. Open a vein and bleed all over the stage and let people laugh at you. And it's not maudlin. It isn't self-pitying and it's fucking hilarious. It's and, so hardcore, the bravery. Right. You're like, oh my a, God. And I will hang out with Jim Norton. Yeah. But I don't want to hang out with Dice Clay. Jim right. Norton, I think, is more open and vulnerable and interesting to me as a comic. Right. Cause he's not, he others. doesn't have all this bravado of. 
Yeah, he's know. not hiding anything. Right, right, right. He's so, not hiding behind a character. It's all right. him. And but the it's thing is, is, is when you hide behind that character, in my opinion, and this mm-hmm. is just my opinion, is the real you bleeds out. It comes out your ear. Like you're doing a character. Because I'm holding the sock puppet up. So it's not me saying it. It's That's the sock it. Exactly. Puppet. Exactly. Like Otto and George. Right. Rest Otto, in peace. I love Otto. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, Durham. Whatever. Whatever his name's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Bull Durham. You know, Bull Durham, the <laughs> ventriloquist. Yeah. Uh, he was a great ventriloquist, Bull Durham. He started making a real epic picture, and then he went, I'm going to puppet. And he Fuck said to himself, I want to be a town in North Carolina or some damn thing. Anyway, yeah, no, like Jeff Dunham. Yeah. He's got the puppet saying it. And you're like, yeah, but that stuff you think is funny. And so what are you saying about yourself? You're always, whenever you write a joke, you're saying what you think is, and it's sometimes it's brutal. And you're like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. But if you can make it funny, I am entirely on your side. And so that is is one of the, I've only seen a little bit of improv. But the best improv I've seen are people who can trust who they are. Yeah. Because I've tried to do improv. Yeah. And it turns out it is a learned skill. Uh, you cannot just jump into it because you do other, like, act or stand-up comedy or anything like that. And, like, I saw Matt Besser. He's a UC, the mm-hmm. UCB guy. Well, and Sean nice. Young. Yeah. And in do Ass Hat. Ass Cat. Ass Hat. Yeah, they should call it Ass Hat. Uh, it was when I did it. Anyway, um, your words. They're part of my life, but we're just the, geeking out about comedy so hardcore, right? Now. Yeah, but it's but that's the improv, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, did yeah. you ever did you take Harold classes? Or? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I went all through the levels, and that's super competitive. You know, I would uh, I, I cared so much. You know, Chris, particularly Chris Gethard's class, he would make me cry. I'd go home and cry all the time. Really? Going, I'm not funny. I suck. Like it's hard. Like you care so much, and then you're told that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. And they're right 100% of the time. Okay. Uh, like, you know, I have teachers like Jackie Clark and, and Billy Merritt. These people, they're right all, all 100% of the time. They've been doing, they've been doing improv for 30 years straight. Right. Like, okay. obsessively obsessing about it. Yeah. And when you see it all together at people doing it at the highest levels, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. It's an entirely different yeah. art form. So. How did that affect – and so, so then you went and saw a live Who's Line is It Anyway after taking these classes. Mm-hmm. For how long? And how it long was slower. It was – I probably was taking the classes for like two years and I was like, ooh, this is getting a little – I'm so sorry. <laughs> I still love them so much. I love right. Bruce. No, no. Yeah. But then, you know, when you see long form, it's just a different thing. It's more – you know, it's not ABC family friendly. It's right. like and, really – And you if know. you fall in love with it, it's not that you don't love the first thing. It's right, just, right, right. Yeah. So you can and appreciate also it. And also it was like – you know, they would do crazy stuff. I'm like, um, I, I, you know, I would grow up going to the comedy cellar and seeing David Tell and Jim Norton and all these people. And then, you know, I would see improv about, you know, balls deep on a retard. And oh, yeah, yeah. They had a, like a 9-11 Herald night. You know, they would do anything. Right, right. And there was nobody filming it. Yeah. And there was nobody. Yeah. And everybody knew that this was they were just going for something. Yeah. And it's not that big of a deal. And you don't have to. It's a lot of shock jock stuff because you have to come up with it in the moment. And yeah. so I really think that there's something spiritual about it. And it's like improv really came, became my religion. And I've been doing uh, stand up now. I kind of quit doing improv. Um, so I've been doing stand up only for the last year and a half. Okay. So you did improv for how many years? For nine years. For no- And okay. And so it's got to be invaluable 
for everything. Absolutely. It's like a good base and then you can do stand up. Right. But I feel like a lot of stand up sometimes, I don't know, they feel like they're like too rigid with their material. And they yeah. don't, you know what I mean? There used to be a big, there used to be some big unspoken or just sort of weird sneering at improv yeah. um, from stand-ups. Right. And, you know, the same with guitar comics and prop comics and magicians and all these people that use different things. You know, it's just like everybody worshipped at some shrine of Lenny Bruce where you're like, what do you, you get into comedy to do heavy lifting? What the hell? Why do you got to have a band? And yeah. you're just like, well, why don't you calm down and uh, do your work and yeah. not worry, to keep your eyes on your own paper. I I always As Maria Bamford always, always says. And like when uh, Greg Giraldo said to Dennis Leary on Tough Crowd, like, um, hey, yeah, maybe if you still ha- wrote some jokes, you know, you'd have a show on the air. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I love the thing of like, yeah, this is a like I have paper right now. You're like, yeah. this is a fucking job. You fucking work hard. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. You, you right. gotta stay when you go to sh- do shows. You have to have your jokes. You you know, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to memorize everything. You know? Sure, sure. It's uh, you know, it's I don't not think a hobby. Slacker mentality about it because it's the hardest shit ever. Well, yeah. I mean, there is a gift if you can make it look effortless. Yeah. And Los Angeles is full of people that are pretending not to try while trying very, very hard. Yeah. And there's nobody better at it than some of the greatest comics that you've ever seen who are just like, there's very uh, much a laid back sort of, no, I don't care if it works out. Uh, but I did work 12 hours today. Yeah. And so like, did you ever see the fantastic Mr. Fox? Is that right? No. Wes Anderson, whatever. It's a stop. Oh, action. I did see that movie. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. George Clooney, mm-hmm. um, Meryl Streep, Bill Murray, Bill Murray, a thousand famous, amazing actors, right? Mm -hmm. That entire movie, to some extent, sums up that laid back attitude because it's so sort of casual and it has this feeling. I loved it, Mm -hmm. but it had this vibe underneath it that was like, yeah, just some friends of mine came over. We thought we'd do a movie. And you're like, it's a stop action. (laughs) No, you have a little real fox. Wearing a corduroy sweater yeah. that someone knitted. That took <laughs> three days to shoot yeah, whatever. that. Whatever, we just kind of yeah, we just threw it together. You know, when I, you know, me, me and Meryl Streep will hang out. Yeah, and you're like, okay. I mean, it is. It's beautiful, but you do care. You're you trying. Do. Yeah, you were totally you're trying. trying. <laughs> you're trying. I totally want to corner some people. But you're trying as hard as I am, right? Are you trying as hard as I am? Because I'm trying very, very hard. What, like at Nerd but, Melt, you want to slap people well, around little, and say that? Yeah, well, you just kind of – I mean, it has that sort of – it has – and it's something that I aspire to as well because yeah. no one, no one wants to see the desperation. Right. <laughs> and in Los Angeles, they can smell it on you. Uh-huh. And it's, I'm sure it's the same in the plumbing industry, you know, where you're just like, no, I don't need the work. I'll do the work and I'll do the best job that you've ever seen, but I don't need the work. And right. that's the attitude. And it's in every career, I'm sure. Yeah. And here it's just, you know, done with, you know, teeth whitening and someone doing a lot of sit ups. <laughs> so, but it's, it is, but it is fascinating to watch improv with people. When I saw Sean Young and Matt Besser, cause I took one improv class mm-hmm. and then I realized at the end of that improv class that I did not want to do improv cause I wasn't very good at it and I wanted to be good at it. And I knew that if I wanted to be good at it, I'd have to make a bigger commitment. Yeah. It is a cult. Uh, what's her name? Tina Fey said that she called it a cult in her book and she said, what's your cult done for you? 
I'll tell you what my cult's done for me. It got me a husband. got me the best friends I've ever had in my life. It gave me a career. It gave me uh self-esteem. It gave me, you know, <laughs> just this litany. She's like, what's your cult done? Huh? And <laughs> very defensive, very funny. I totally agree with that sentiment. I've worshipped at the altar of the UCB in Del Close as my spirit guide for a long time. <laughs> right. It's just weird. The rituals before and after class. There's a lot of bloodletting. <laughs> <laughs> they constantly with the chalk on the ground. But uh, the classic, you know, you learn a lot about comedy. Yeah. But the rituals are kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah. And she said that she took that that improv training and and took it to business. The yes ending, uh-huh. the adding to things, to not being negative. And you just- realize it's a, I think it's a social mastery. You realize when you're talking too much and when you should be asking questions more, you listen to people and then add to validate what they're saying. It makes them feel good. It makes them trust you more. Right. That, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's, it does seem like a community building kind of task. Yeah. Because you have to learn how to work with others. And they have like corporate stuff where they go in and they train, you know, the boss. You know, when you see the CEO who's got the biggest ego bomb 700 times <laughs> and the intern's killing it. Yeah. It kind of, you know, le- reminds everybody. Levels that, the playing field. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That guy's still going to make more money than you. But <laughs> exactly. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm not superior to you in every way just because I have money. <laughs> God damn it. Right. So, um... So we did do we did weed off a lot here and talk about improv, but it, yes. it is definitely clearly a love. Oh of yeah. Yours. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, we talking about the CEO. Go ahead. Oh, so sta- what you want to talk about stand up now? No, I was thinking okay. about the the Tesla thing. Oh, geez, yeah. yeah. So my other thing that I nerd out a lot about is uh conspiracies, particularly around oil. I just think it's like the biggest issue right now that that could be solved. And, uh, like, for example, I got this, um, article today. I didn't read it. I just read the headline and then I get too furious <laughs> and then I start. <laughs> and then you hit print and then, and then you're print. like, oh yeah. I look, I look, I'm prepared. I print I know out. things. Uh, motor industry won't steal our tech, says Elon Musk of Tesla. So we'll give it to them. He, so basically he's saying, look, BMW, have our technology, make cars that run on batteries and improve upon it. Use yep. your team of German engineers to construct <laughs> a perfect mobile that's so efficient mm-hmm. and go so many kilometers on so many volts. <laughs> I love electricity. Yep. Um, anyway, so he, yeah, I, I read this today. Why isn't that happening? Yeah, he, he, he gave away his 200 patents, right. over 200 patents. Right. He just, he said, you know, I used to believe in patents. Now I don't believe in patents because I think that it will stop the the creation idea there's the actually idea. a lot of reverberating history in this exact situation where JP Morgan at the end of uh, the real Tesla's life was completely bankrupt because JP Morgan he wanted all these technologies out that would like broadcast electricity and then everybody instead of batteries or whatever would just inter- get it like radio like right. free radio waves that would be you yeah. know put out and he, you know and he's like, JP Morgan's like, well, I can't put a meter on that. So, yeah. so we I'm can't do that. Bankrupt you and, yeah. you know, take all your patents and seal them in a vault. Yeah. And, you know, so you go, you start to go down YouTube rabbit hole conspiracies about this and right. you get paranoid that, you know, the BMW is clearly in bed with the oil companies. So is Ford. Sure. He can't give them the patents. He's like, look, I'm losing money here. You can compete with me and destroy me. Right. Tesla. 
Yeah. You know, you'll, you have much more distribution and they're like, no. No. Nope. Why? Cause I like selling oil, you know? Cause they, yeah. And the thing is, is they, they don't accept that it's finite and it's, and that in, in yeah. their minds, the, the money isn't broken. The money is not, it, there's still plenty of money to be made. Yeah. So why change? Right. And so, which is what I liked about the article, because I, I had read it this morning myself, which was um, not the entire article. I read the headline. I read also. the headline, too. Yeah, and then I got about three quarters <laughs> of the way through that page, and then I was like, oh, this is just going to make me <laughs> really mad. Yeah. And uh, But the what I liked was he was – he said, you know, there's – there's so many people out there that have good ideas that if we didn't get in the way, they could, they could totally do it. Yeah. There, you mentioned before we started recording some other invention that, that you, that, that, uh, in yeah. the kitchen, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, oh, I was saying like, um, I've been trying to do stand, my first stand up special, I want it to be called Conspiracies and Dick Jokes. Oh, but nice. Th- the thing is, conspiracy jokes are so much harder to write because they're so depressing. Sure. But, um, you know, a car, the internal combustion engine came out in 1819, the same year as the typewriter. And we've watched the typewriter transform into Apple computers, iPhones. Right. You know, whoa, that was quite an evolution. Yep. <clears throat> And the internal combustion engine, mm-hmm. we've seen gum to uh, now we have a fancy outside body, internal combustion engine on the inside. Ooh. Chug, 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 chug same chug. same four pistons. Same. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, oh, you have a better idea? Yeah. Kaboom. Oh, yeah. now I've taken your patent and blown your head off. You know what I mean? I really think that it's like a mafia type scenario where – Well, and, and the whole idea of capitalism is getting hijacked then. It's not the person with the best idea – who can't compete, you know, right. they know they can't compete with, uh, with, uh, energy technology that's way more advanced. So they're like, oh, so let's just, just destroy it. Out. Yeah. It's easier. Right. So what, what if, what if, um, you take your mic out of the stand. We're getting real here. Well, I thought I'd take my mic out of the stand because <laughs> I got sick of leaning forward and my Asperger's hump is acting up. So, uh, <laughs> I have an Asperger's hump. It's a, it's a seventh inning stretch, by the way. That's it. You got to stretch Are we out. 45 minutes in no, no, we're about 37, oh, 38. Okay. So, um, and, um, so the, the, the thing is, is, what I, what I want though is I want all of the inventions, you know, I want mm. everything that I read in a science fiction novel to be possible. Yeah. And it should, I mean, I read, there's a book, Lois McMaster Bujold. I have talked about it a hundred times on this program. One of the things in Beta Colony, one of the planets in, uh, in this universe, it is a sort of a social, a socially advanced, uh, planet. But also, kind of um, full of people. They they threaten you with a lot of therapy. Let me say that that is their bad government. Mm-hmm. Their bad government is that oh, you're acting antisocial because everyone has a job, everyone has enough money for everything, mm-hmm. everyone can go to schools and be as educated, and 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 there's no problem with society. Mm-hmm. There is a problem if you wish to act outside of society. You know where. There is a conformity issue, right? There's another planet called Barry R, and that there they control people by killing them, mm-hmm. and it's a very militaristic society, and they're expansionist, and they're very um, patriarchal, and Beta Colony super liberal socially, uh, but more spooky, you know, a little more NSA kind of thing. Barry mm-hmm. R, they're just like, no, there's a there's a 
we have a Gestapo and we also have a KGB and, uh, I we're just gonna... wish Bush would just say that out loud and just like, we are a Gestapo, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, but the, the <laughs> that's the... how I ran it when I was in office. Next right. question. Next question. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> I know that the, the abuse of power, mm. the, one of the greatest things about the Lois McMaster Bujold universe is that the abuse of power is in every kind of government. You know, right? And but one of the things I, I loved about Beta Colony was that in the constitu- <laughs> in the Constitution was the right to the internet. Mm. It was in the Constitution that you had a right to inf- access to information, mm-hmm. and that is what I would like for the United States of America: that the internet just be there. Yeah, there shouldn't be a problem like the the the, the slowing down, selling selling different speeds. Net neutrality. The, the net stuff. neutrality, yeah. where they try to. Did you see Colbert? Where he, yeah. he he was like, they're boring us to death, but this is actually very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, might not have been Colbert. I think it was uh, John Oliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, but yeah, I mean those kind of inventions. I mean, we've invented something that levels the playing field. Let's let everybody have it. Now we're doing podcasting. You know, we're taking advantage. Right. Well, and then there's the 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 patent trolls. Right. The, the uh, podcasting patent trolls yeah. who have decided to podcast to patent the word podcast or something. Yeah. And we've all been told to step back and let Adam Carolla deal with it. Did you hear about that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he's get, he's the one getting sued. Right. So and he has sense. enough money for lawyers. Right. But, and, but I mean, they still need to raise another couple hundred thousand dollars to fight off. I think they have like only a third of the money that they need to raise to fight it. In is the there court. some sort of... Kickstarter or Indiegogo yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Go, to- Go fund me. It's like look at look at the Adam Carolla because because it's a it is a real problem. Yeah. And what I was told is that is not to engage was because every person every individual podcaster that g- engages becomes fodder for the 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 patents peoples. Everyone who folds, right, um, becomes a, a hammer to hit. The rest of us with. Right. Of so course. if, if we leave it in the hands of someone with a big enough profile and a big enough podcast to fight that fight, then he can win and then we all win. Is this a secret meeting that you had at the Corolla Estates? The Rolling uh, Hills? Yes, the Toyota Corolla Estates. <laughs> I have a 2003 Toyota Corolla. No, but you didn't. Beautiful. Are you part of the uh, independent podcast network on Facebook? No, oh, not. I gotta, a, I gotta join all these affiliations, protect myself. It's just, uh, all it is is, a, it's just a Facebook group, but it's just informative. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's your conspiracy theory is that, is the, the podcast, you know, the, the patent tro- tro- trolls or whatever. Yeah, it all leads to ancient aliens coming out the Vatican. That's where all the trolls. Is that where it's all happening? That's where it's all happening. All right. What kind of books do you read? <laughs> Is that what um, I'm? Is it, do you read conspiracy books? Yeah, I read uh, Jesse Ventura's book called Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. Really? How was it? Oh my god, it's incredible! It's so scary. I spend so much time scaring the hell out of myself <laughs> with things that are completely out of my control. Right. Um, what do you get out of that? What's that? What's that giving you? It's almost just like a, a wanting to feel informed. You know, clearly there's the NSA. There wouldn't be so much investment in an NSA or so much investment in national security if there wasn't so much shit to keep secure. And I think that that's against freedom, you know? The more the more secrets a state has, the more you're not really representing because it's 
your your leaders are in a double blind experiment. Nobody, know, you know. What I mean? Well, okay. There's so uh, many security levels to know what's actually going on. That's okay. so frustrating. Now, see, I I've gone in an entirely opposite direction. Okay. Where I only do local news, and I try to uh, I uh, I think globally, but I act locally, and uh, essentially we got kids hanging out in our backyard back here in our back alley. Sometimes they're getting high. Sometimes they're, they're we got a high schooler right over here. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're drinking a 40. Uh-huh. Most of the time, I swear to God, they're just looking at their phones for an hour and a half before they go home. Yeah. They're sitting there thinking, I'm not in school. I'm not at home. I'm 15. Yeah. I can't face going home. Yeah. We've all been there. We've yeah. all been. They get to sit back there. I don't give a shit. Go ahead. Please don't litter. Anyway, that's my, uh, that's my, my PSA. But, but I've gone in an opposite direction in the way that I think that it's all a distraction. Uh, the the conspiracy theories and mm-hmm. the the TSA theater. I f- I think of it as a theater event. Every time I go through airport <laughs> security, I'm like, oh, welcome to TSA theater. Hello, yes. who are my performers today? Oh, there's... I'm going to rub this wand over you, and everything's <laughs> going to be secure. Everything's going to be secure uh, if you go through this radio wave uh, yeah. machinery. And I'm like, I'm never going through the radio wave. You will pat me down if yeah. we're playing. If you're at work and we're playing TSA theater, you're going to pat me down. You're going to strap those gloves on and you're going to get looking. Two, two by two, hands blue, my friend. Do it. <laughs> little Firefly reference for the uh, the dorks at home. And uh, but You can I, give it a jostle. That's fine. You don't – It's no, a long the, flight. I nobody, need a little – I want to get shoved up now. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna touch me inappropriately. <laughs> They're going to tell me the same damn thing every time. But they, they tend to – All but, right. We have different routines through the TSA, whatever. Well, no. It's fine. No, no. You want to get – you want to make out with somebody? You do it. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Oh, go ahead. Riff, you, it's your, uh, you know, um, I, I get scared too. All the radiation, you know, that they get, it's like an x-ray, but it's like, you know, you don't need an x-ray every day, but if you fly, you know, right. They keep telling me it's just radio waves. It's not an x-ray. I told them if it's made out of unicorn tears, I'm not going through it three times a week. It's not happening. Yeah. That's tricky. Plus they're at work. Do your job. Have a good time. You know. It'll yeah. break it up. You pat pat down some middle aged white lady. Good times. Knock yourself it's out. also just annoying because you, you, they they take your water and then they make you buy water for five dollars. You know, that's the real conspiracy. In my, <laughs> see, I mean that is that's yeah, my yeah, theory. Yeah. It's all a theater to get us. I mean, when George Bush said after nine eleven, go out and buy shit. It was the most revealing moment of my adulthood. Right. Because I was like, oh, that is all you want me to do. Yeah. You want me to go buy some shit. And the terrorists, whether they're real, whether they're really coming, you know, whatever's happening. No, the terrorists are boogeymen that frown upon you when you're not, when you're not out shopping. Mm-hmm. And I want to implant that into your mind mm-hmm. so that, you know, you just walk around going, yip, 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 slide my card, yip, 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 slide my card. You know, it's terrifying. <laughs> To think, you know, I, I remember being at a ba- baseball game and me and my sister were sitting there and then there was a helicopter above and we were like, oh, what is, what do you think that helicopter is reporting back to base? And he's like, yep, they're distracted going back home, you know? Okay. All right. I mean, I get very cynical about it because it's like, you know, you see, when you see what they say on the news and then when you see what they say on the news on the internet, it's like the 
two sides of a coin and you know what I mean? It's like really what um what um what news what are your news sources? Where well, do you like go if for you news? Look at like stuff like Russia Today and stuff like that and uh Is that a website? RT network. Um it's actually just probably Russian propaganda where they they On T V though or on the internet? <laughs> on the internet. It's all on YouTube channel, but it's okay. like really powerful. A lot of people get that stuff and so Russian so you watch Russian television news. In English. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Americans doing it. Right. They're being paid by the Ruskies to disgrace their country. Okay. <laughs> are, are they? I don't, I don't know. I've never seen it. Tell me what it is. Well, yeah, they just, you know, expose more. Nobody nobody listening to this they talk, knows what you're talking oh, about. Oh, really? So they talk about, you know, Monsanto, you know, do you know about Monsanto? Like it's a, yes, I know that it is a large multinational corporation that uh, does GMOs. Yeah. Genetically but they also modified. They do crazy stuff. Like they had the government sue Whole Foods to have their food on their shelves. Like it's so embed with government that they can sue Whole Foods for not taking their food. Okay. It's like they're Whole Foods is an independent company. Monsanto's a food. Vendor. I will. I will have to double check that because I, I I'm going to need a source on that one. Just oh, okay. I, that doesn't sound. Um, I th- I read this on. Uh, you, you read that? Yeah, recently. Okay, this where is, did you read it? I think just on the Google. You click Google News, right? And it was like it was a, a Google thing. News thing. Yeah, and I did read a lot of the article, not the full article, no, but no, no. enough <laughs> to get the sense that Monsanto was suing Whole Foods to get their. GMO food on the shelf and Whole Foods has always gone with local farmers and stuff like that. Right. So, they're, they're, they're trying to appeal to a very affluent white, uh, upper right. middle class, uh, bunch of people that, who can afford to care about what food that they put into <laughs> exactly. their bodies. And you're like, yes, yes, I can. And, uh-huh. uh, that would be great that if it were everywhere. And that's why Walmart, uh, is now selling organic food, but they are redefining it. Right. They, they're just moving the parameters of what yeah, organic just, food they're dro- is. Yeah, they're just dropping no, the bar. Only 1,500 liters of <laughs> DHT, which will decrease the exoskeleton of right. most of the bugs. And you're, cr- <laughs> you're cracking me up, though, about the whole – when you said uh, – what, people don't watch this stuff? That is a classic Dork Forest moment where people are like, that's yeah. not dorky. Everyone collects uh, shot glasses, said my friend Aaron Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't no. everybody know about the, no, everyone doesn't the protocols of the Monsanto Corporation? No. They also do this crazy stuff where they um, – so like let's say you're a local farmer. Okay. And uh, some corn blows onto your property. Oh, right. The Some seeds. GMO corn, mm-hmm. which is apt to do because it just pollinates in the air. That's how corn works or whatever. Right. <laughs> so they go over to the local farm. They New photograph Jersey. the GMO f- corn mm-hmm. in the local farmers. They don't have the patent to use that. Mm-hmm. They'll go to court. They'll sue the farmer next door. They'll take his farm. They'll mm-hmm. expand Monsanto. Okay. Boom. The protocols. Right. You know, and, and, and they're doing this all over the world. In India, you know, like a lot of farmers are killing themselves over this, like Every 30 minutes or some crazy statistic came out that Indian farmers are, are killing themselves after Monsanto has taken their food via these methods. Okay. Um, so they're just using the courts to, you know, do this l- workflow where they take land. I'm, well, that's a comedy podcast normally. I'm sorry. I'm it is not. Mood. It is not a comedy I'm podcast. Just, it's I'm a just, dork forest. Oh, yeah. Can well, we're going dork- deep in the woods of the dork forest. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's, it's, you could talk about is you could get as serious as, you, as a heart attack as far yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned. But the thing, as long as you've got sources and information to back it up, like what, what are your best sources online? For this kind of thing. Yeah, and Russia Today double- is a good one. Okay. 
But I mean, who, but you know, there was famously also Abby Martin was an anchor there. I've never heard of it. She's a, she's a girl that was an anchor there and she, um, said that, you know, actually I'm leaving because this is all propaganda for the Russians. So you never know who, what source you're listening to. Also, you know, recently on my podcast, okay, so there's this guy on YouTube called Reverend Kevin Annette and okay. he's suing the Queen Elizabeth. Pope, he says that when he sued, he's got something called the International Court of Common Law. It's in Geneva. But when you file things there, you know, you can, you know, via the Geneva Convention, they have an international court there. Right. And so he said he got the first, remember when the first Pope resigned? Mm-hmm. He said that he did that because he was filing paperwork about this whole pedophile ring or whatever. Okay. And oh, so, so the, this guy on the, on the internet, so Reverend we know Kevin it's true. Annette, he said that the, the, the reason the Pope resigned yeah. and abdicated his yeah. popedom, uh, was because he went to the Geneva Convention and the International Court of Common Law, of Common Law, and, um, to sue that Pope. Yes. Okay. And then he resigned. So I called this guy on the phone. He's got a phone number. I'm going to call that guy after he says some weird shit on the internet. All right. And I had him on my podcast and he was telling me about all these crazy rituals that these popes do. Like not only are they into like pedophile rings, but they have like black magic ceremonies and they're trying to like these trying to summon the antichrist. Okay. I love talking to crazy people. Okay. I don't know if any of this is true. I, I'm saying what this guy said. Right, you right. know what I mean? So. As far as all this I stuff. live in a world where that is not true. Uh, <laughs> right. But that does not mean that it is not true. I, but like, if someone guy says he, he made the first Pope resign, who knows if that's true? I don't know if that's true. I do not. I, so I'll, I'll go down the YouTube hole. And we, to the you point will find where, out why he thinks that. Why does he think that he did it? Because he filed it and it happened moments later? Yeah, he said like two weeks later the first Pope resigned and now okay. he's trying to bring down the current Pope for the same crimes, Queen Elizabeth and all this stuff. Now the current Pope just met with some of the, uh, some of the offended. Some, mm. some, some of the youth mm-hmm. who had been touched when they were children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he, he met with them to apologize. Do you think that maybe the Reverend caused that? Well, you know. Reparations kind I of thing. I think his, I think Reverend Kevin Annette would say that was a PR stunt. That was all propaganda. You don't know what's going mm-hmm. really going on. You know, right. Yeah, he can ha- he can hire some photo photographers to come over and apologize to some yuts. But uh, you know, that's not what's really going on. But then I talked to this other lady on the internet called Karen Hudes. She actually used to be the lawyer for the World Bank. And uh, how, do, how do you spell her last name? H U D E S. Karen okay. Hudes. And, uh, she, she yelled at me a little bit with a Jersey accent or a New York accent, something like that. And she it made me feel right home. at home. I felt sure. homesick. Right. right off the bat. Right off the bat. But she was telling on. me that I had no idea. I was taken in by this person. He's actually an agent for the Jesuits. You know, that's what Karen Hudis said. Karen Hudis on your podcast, Highway. <laughs> you know, I called her and then she called me back and I, I didn't would... have my recorder, but it's called Highway Diary. <laughs> So you don't have her on on no, on the podcast. But I talk about what she told me and stuff. Like okay, that. and she has not she yet filed a cease and desist against you for saying that. No. So I took clips of other things that she said about Kevin Annette from the internet. I went deep in the dork forest, right, right, and I found clips of her and talking she, shit about this Reverend Kevin Annette guy, th- and I that put he them is, in my podcast, right, right, and that and that she genuinely believes that he is some sort of agent of the Jesuits. Yes. To bring down uh, the Pope because he is not a Jesuit? The Pope, current Pope is a Jesuit. He, okay. So 
He, she my, was my, saying. My Pope knowledge is also uh, not as good. Are, were you raised Catholic or something? I was raised Catholic. Okay, so you have some Pope knowledge. A little bit of Pope knowledge. A little okay. bit of papacy facts. Okay. So Karen Hudis, uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he is actually getting, uh, gathering all the whistleblowers so that the Vatican can take them out. And she was saying that a lot of the people that have you know, disclosed what has happened to Reverend Kevin Annette because he's gathering testimony to bring against the Pope and the Queen Elizabeth and whatever. What did and, the Queen? What did Queen Elizabeth do? Well, they're, she, they're saying that Queen Elizabeth is into these satanic rituals, you know, okay. with the Pope, and she's just in there, you know. She's very elitist. She's got a lot of free time. I mean, she's never really held a job. Why not so maybe invest in some cult achievements? And possibly some satanic rituals. Why not? <laughs> Little bangers and mash. Maybe that's what a What else are you going to fill your day with? you got to fill your day with something. Maybe the queen <laughs> is busy, uh, you know, so in, that, in between points. You know, I don't know if any of this stuff is true, but it, it you know, I used to really believe it in all this. Well, there's also a place called Bohemian Grove where a bunch of, um, you know, once a year, it's a place right by uh, San Francisco and all the top like, um, like presidents and industrialists go there once a year to, uh, have a secret meeting, a secret meeting. It's called Bohemian Bohem- Grove. There's a secret meeting happening. In- and before at the beginning of the ceremony, mm-hmm. they worship uh, Moloch, the owl god in an occult ceremony. And that's true. That's been on the news. There's Moloch the Owl God. I'll be I over here being you. very, very quiet and, <laughs> and remembering that this is a safe space. Uh, <laughs> I, promise, I know it sounds so crazy, but this mm. is true. There's a place called Bohemian Grove. I'm going to ask if you've ever read any Mike Mignola. Have you ever read no. a, an author named Mike Mignola? I have not read he Mike writes, Mignola. Uh, he writes a lot of, uh, it's a BPRD is the, is the, mm-hmm. it's a, there's some paranormal. It's a paranormal uh fiction. It's a lot of stuff. What? Uh, okay. All right. The Bohemian Grove. I'll look. I'll look into all of this stuff if I can. Wow, you've written like such a spider web of uh, facts. You're connecting the dots. You know what I sure, mean? It's I'll all coming together. The, the picture is coming, coming together. Clear. The picture is coming clear. The picture is. Uh, it's always hazy. So, so how do you sleep at night? Do you have one of those machines that make the sound of the ocean? Does that send you right out? I I sleep <laughs> suspended upside down. Excellent. In, a cocoon <laughs> in the hopes that I you will not be, be attacked in the night. Mm-hmm. I need to be suspended by pendulum in order Excellent. to get a night's rest. So now let's wrap it up here and let's let's tell people it's been an hour. So let's wow. tell people that that you recommend this Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory book. That's a good book. Yeah. Yep. What, what else is there? Any other nonfiction that you're reading that you enjoy right now or? Nonfiction or fiction or anything. What are you reading? Um, well, I, I'm reading uh, Going Clear right now. It's oh, about there you Scientologists. Go. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of I that. I love cults. I love secret anything. Anything that has a pyramid structure where you have to pay. Like, you know, that they, they do auditing. And okay. if a certain number of fl- like flight hours, you know, a certain number of hours doing doing auditing, which is you just tell your deepest secrets while you're holding tin cans. They record everything. If you leave the church, they use that information against you to slander you. I've heard that. I've heard um, that. I'd, um, that yeah. sounds. Oh my God. Going clear is the most terrifying book. It's just <laughs> like you just watch a sociopath control the minds of a flock of people and how he did it from a grassroots level up. All right. That's, that's, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, I believe is the founder of, uh, Scientology. I don't, uh, you know, my, uh, somebody said to me, so you live in Los Angeles, you have a, a Los Angeles lifestyle. I was like, sort of not, uh, not anything to do with 
sort of the the Scientologists are. There's not oh, a lot is of, that a way for them to ask you if you're a Scientologist? I think it was it's a California lifestyle. Yeah, right? It's a kind of a Los Angeles. So you're going to a lot of doing a lot of coke with uh, Zenu. Uh, are you hanging out with uh, Robert Downey Jr. in 1990? Is that happening? Yeah. Right. Now? No, it is not happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but I will say that uh, we could have talked about cults. We could have talked about conspiracy theories for the entire time. Do I have me back? Eric Hollerbach. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that it's erichollerbach.com. Mm-hmm. It's that on Twitter. It's slash that with a number behind it on Facebook. But mm-hmm. if you just do Eric Hollerbach uh, comedy online, you will find you. And uh, here comes Godot.com. Check is, out that web series. Yep. And Theater of the Deranged 2. I also have- on DVD. I'm going to be at the Ice House in Pasadena, July 13th, 2014. I think this will, this will come out in July. Beautiful. So if you are uh, in Los Angeles, go to Pasadena Ice House. It's a great room. Great room. Sunday, folks. July 13th, 7.30 p.m. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so this much for having me, This has been fascinating and weird. I like it. <laughs> Thanks a lot out there. Take care. My hat, Bye. my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?